Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for joining us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hey, good afternoon, Fred. Good afternoon, everyone. Alan, lots of news to get to, but first, some exciting things on the horizon with the fourth annual Princeton Smart Driving Cars Summit finally getting underway this coming week. Of course, it will be virtual, and the format is going to be very different, but it's one that makes a lot of sense. Right. Uh, so, um, you know, as is obvious to everybody, um, we must uh, physically distant uh, and um, we um, can't get together. So we're doing this on Zoom. We've been talking about it for some time. We've been waiting for things to um, to improve. Uh, uh, let's hope they're at least stable. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but we're finally launching it. So uh, basically what we've decided to do is instead of doing it over two and a half days, which has been our norm, we've decided to spread this out over time. And uh, basically we're going to do um, a total of 16 uh, weekly sessions. Uh, the first one will start uh, next Thursday. Uh, they will be on Thursdays. They will be at the same time. They will be live. They will be on Zoom. And uh, what we're hopeful to do in these sessions is to generate some discussion and, uh, and really engagement uh, by the audience. Uh, so the format is that, uh, that we will have uh, uh, basically a moderator with uh, a, a few panelists, a handful of panelists, three to four. Uh, to basically, um, the, the moderator will then uh, set the stage for the topic that will be discussed in that we weekly session. Uh, and then the panelists will then bring in their views uh, for you know, seven to 10 minutes each to basically focus their particular views. And then we hope to open it up to discussions with the, with the live audience. So the, the objective here very much is to have engagement with the audience. Uh, this is what we always were striving for when we did it live. It wasn't to be a one-way transfer of information from the poobahs on the front to the basic minions, you know, in the audience, but really um, everybody that we expect to be tuning in to these things are, are experts in themselves. Uh, on these topics, and we want them to, to weigh in, and we want to, we want to try to do this uh, in that in that way. Uh, the topics are not that they're set in stone, and we know the answers. I mean, uh, the things we already know the answer to, um, uh, we know that uh, the, the big challenge with this technology is is what we don't know or what we haven't. Uh, uh, basically made made absolutely uh, the decision as to the way to approach it. And, and to me, that's the interesting piece of this is that we'll be discussing really um, the things and try to get to know better the things that we don't know. Uh, so that's the, the, the format. And people <laughs> have become so accustomed to using Zoom today and uh, using the chats, the comments, 
and we'll, we'll try to bring some people on at least uh, their voices to be able to ask some questions live. Absolutely, absolutely, we'll some on. So the 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 sessions are again on Thursdays. The first one being this coming Thursday, and then the next one will start on the first Thursday of January. So we'll take the break. Uh, for the holidays, uh, we, uh, what I intend to do and what we intend to do on, on next Thursday's session is really to set the stage and discuss with the audience, both present to the audience and discuss with the audience uh, what we're trying to do and the topics that we're, we're, we intend to address uh, over the following 15 sessions that will take us from January through the middle of April once a week, Thursdays, noon Eastern time. Uh, noon Eastern time is lunch at Eastern. If, if we could send you a lunch, we'd send you a lunch. Hopefully you'll bring your lunch and, and sit with us. Um, for the folks in California, you know, a little, well, breakfast, I don't know, depending on when you get to work, uh, whatever, nine o'clock uh, is like breakfast. Uh, for the folks in Europe, it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, happy hour. So, you know, take it easy on happy hour, but you can join us for happy hour. And, uh, and in Asia, it's like, um, you know, midnight snack time. So uh, I think it's a good period uh, for, uh, it, it's a good time. I think others have, have discovered this, this time uh, to do live sessions uh, such that you can both hit the East Coast and West Coast of the U.S., hit Europe, um, Europe, you know, and the continent, they, they have dinner late, you know, U.S. we have it at five o'clock or something like that, or I, I always go the early one, you know, where it's cheaper, not that discount, <laughs> no, I can't say that, but, but um, you know, and, and on the continent, they, you know, they're later, so this is, you know, perfect for them during, during uh, basically a happy hour before dinner, and then in, in the, in the, in the Asia, you know, before they get tucked in to go to bed, they can, and then participate with us. Why not? I think it's a, it's a good time to do it. So how can people participate? How can people join in? Well, uh, for the first one, uh, we will have, and we will have available a, a login, a Zoom login, and everybody can join in. So there's no real registration, or I don't know, we're still going into details as to whether or not you do have to register to get this. But but I think uh, we can just send it out and you can click in and come on on the first one. For the rest of them, there, there is a registration process that's on the website for the, um, uh, for the summit and, and you register. And there are various registration levels. There's, there's a free, there's a, you know, a very inexpensive one and, uh, and a, a little bit, um, you know, nothing that's going to put people in the poor house. Uh, but there are expenses associated with doing this. It, 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 it isn't free. It doesn't come for free. And, you know, it, we think that, of course, the registration fees are, are really quite, quite modest. And, uh, and in some sense, if it's not worth that, then, uh, geez, your time is much more valuable than, than, than what is being charged here. So uh, we want to have people who are really into this, who really want to basically work on finding um, uh, solutions and, and approaches to the things that, that, that we, we uh, still haven't nailed down yet. 
It sounds like it will certainly be worthwhile. And I'm, I know I'm looking forward to it and uh, get started once again this Thursday at noon Eastern. And people should go to smartdrivingcar.com to get more info. Right. That's where you can get the info. That's where the, the schedule is for each of the sessions. And the sessions are, are basically, you know, the first one uh, is, uh, is ba basically a, a sort of uh, a futurist view uh, and look into the future to make sure that, that really what we're trying to do here is, is, is not just create technology for technology's sake, but really uh, to provide uh, value to, to society. And, and, and in fact, you know, the, the approach here is we're really looking at, at two major thrusts with, with this. Uh, one thrust <clears throat> is associated with, with uh, making the, the vehicles uh, that we drive and when we drive them uh, safer on our, on our streets and roadways. And, and, and applying the technology to when we're still uh, engaged in, in at least uh, some of the, the, the driving activities. And uh, so that's the one thrust. And then the second thrust is really, is to, to look at, uh, at how do we use this technology to provide affordable mobility to essentially everybody within an operational design domain. So yes, when, when, one, when one suggests that we're gonna, uh, the, the objective is to provide affordable mobility to everybody. It's not, uh, the everywhere piece is not attached to that. Uh, when and if we ever get to the everywhere piece, who knows, uh, take that a little bit, but I don't think there's much of a, unknown on that one. Um, as I like to say, um, you know, I can't drive my car, my conventional car down, uh, down the riverbeds and, and up the Great Wall, even though maybe the automobile manufacturers kind of give me advertisements that suggest that I might be able to do that and have that fantasy. That fantasy really doesn't exist. Uh, but uh, let's get away from the fantasies and let's really provide mobility to, you know, to folks who need to, who want to go from A to B in at least a, a, a designated area. And let's do that and do it affordably, the affordable piece. Why is that important? Otherwise, you have to go there with it, asking for a handout. You know, you have to go around to Washington, you know, alms for the poor. I mean, come on, that's no way to do this. Um, well, I, I know you've been working on lining up some great uh, moderators and, and panels for this too. So right. a lot of work goes into it. So all that comes into it, but basically the, the first one will be the visionary. And then we, then we go into the, the details and we really uh, go in and look at the cars that are available in the showroom today and how good are they at doing, uh, at improving safety and how good are they really at uh, at doing the uh, the uh, automated emergency braking systems and 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 um, and uh, how are they being sold and and uh, and promoted and 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 how is this really being delivered to actually deliver to society in a, in a safer mobility and and then uh, go on and and through that to then deal with uh, uh, the whole driverless business of, of you know how do you finally. <laughs> decide to throw away the, um, the security blanket and say, yep, um, we're going to do this and we're going to let the technology do the driving um, and, and actually get there and deal with all the various 
aspects of that. So that will take us, you know, through January, February, March, and half of April. So um, it's not that it's, um, you know, it's, it's almost like a course, it's not a course. It's really an engagement uh, of, of the audience. And, um, and um, uh, I'm really excited about it. I think uh, we're really focusing on, on the issues, on, on, on really what we don't know very well and how to get to know that better. Thursday at noon, and even before the summit, Alan, we expect to be joined by Chris Ermson this coming Tuesday for a special edition of Smart Driving Cars. Uh, Chris is the CEO of Aurora, the Silicon Valley autonomous vehicle startup that this week announced a deal to take over Uber's self-driving pro car project. And Uber will be investing $400 million in Aurora so this is a big move, a lot of details, pretty intricate here and very interesting. Yeah, and it's really great to have Chris on board because you know, Chris, essentially from the beginning of all this, uh, you know, Chris uh, led, uh, led the Carnegie Mellon team in, in the DARPA challenges, which you know, we seem to agree that that's really the change, the real change in, in, in the focus of, of, of all this technology. Uh, uh, of automation instead of doing automated highways where you're basically exclusive highways and, and, and automated vehicles where in some sense it's pretty easy to do all this. So that's the good news. The bad news is you have to go out and build an automated highway. And, and who's going to do that if you don't have automated vehicles? And if who's going to build the automated vehicles if you don't have any automated highways? So that chicken and egg situation that existed at least since 1939, if not before, and so on with that with that technology was uh, it was it was dead on arrival. It had no chance of of, of of evolving. But then with the with the, the DARPA challenges, the, the sort of the, the, the realization that in fact, maybe it's possible to put enough intelligence in a vehicle, just, hey, just do it for one, that's able to go out there and, and perform you know, really well, no problem, with all of us still out there and make use of the existing infrastructure. So Chris, from the very beginning, from when he started at Waymo, at least that's, uh, maybe he'll say, no, that's not true to us, but that's what I believe you. you know, really believed in this concept that, that, my goodness, go out there and essentially work on one vehicle, get it to work. If you got that to work, then really beautiful thing about this is replicate. And when you look at the cost of replication, it's essentially zero. So in a sense, all you got to do is get one to work and... Now, there are details and so on and so forth, but at least you don't have to go begging to, hey, oh my, I need an infrastructure project. Oh, President Biden, please give us money to build a whole new highway. I mean, kidding me? Go up and try to get Goldmine Sachs to give you the money. I mean, come on, nobody's gonna do that. And, and it, all the all the money's been spent during this pandemic anyway. So Yeah, well, I mean, sure, great. Yeah, wonderful. Sure, it's a good thing. It's a, you know, it's like maybe what we did in the depression, maybe you could argue with it with maybe doing it. I don't get know. people sure. to work. But uh, my goodness, I don't know. Well, this is really going to be a great discussion with with Chris. Again, this coming Tuesday, 
you'll really want to keep an eye out for that on, on Tuesday and you keep an eye on smart driving car and you get more information car.com and you'll get more information too about the summit at the same time meanwhile there's another uber headline uh, they've sold the, their air taxi effort which was called elevate to joby aviation and uber's investing 75 million dollars into that company which is developing an electric passenger aircraft with vertical takeoff and landing and <laughs> alan's making faces here well, you know, I don't know, sell? I mean, it seems to me, you know, you took, you took uh, something that you had and you moved it over here and you put money with it when you moved it over there. But did we see much money going back to the, fr from the person who got it? I mean, uh, so this is, yeah, it seems to me they, they gave it away, <laughs> invested and said, hey, here, um, you make it, okay? You know, everybody always has a make or buy decision, right? <laughs> so and they keep a stake in it so they can make use of it if it happens it. to be successful. And Hey, if it happens to be successful, then I'm sure there are some, you know, details and whatever the agreement is that they get, you know, first dibs at uh, at uh, attractive prices and so on, probably, and so on and so forth. And so therefore, you know, uh, but in the meantime, <laughs> while, while someone else is going through all the blood, sweat, and tears to actually make it happen, um, they're out doing the thing that they really should be doing is out there looking to provide mobility to people who, I mean, the, the beauty of what, what Uber has done is that it has provided mobility to an enormous number of folks who really had terrible access it, to mobility in the past and really improved uh, their quality of life. The only problem is, is of course they're doing it, they have to pay somebody to do that. And that's not inexpensive. And luckily a number of people have decided to, you know, price themselves in that market such that it's made it attractive to the, to the traveling public. But whether or not the folks who are actually doing the delivery of the mobility are actually getting, uh, you know, uh, a good quality of life out of their uh, their engagement and their employment um, seems to be, you know, what a lot of discussion has been had uh, about that um, in recent times, and so that's that's the. Uh, that's sort of the bad news associated with the Uber Lyft uh, um, mobility proposition. And of course, what we've been arguing here for some time is all of a sudden, if you can deliver that now with a, with a computer doing this, with, you know, cameras and light, the LIDARs too, whatever, radars, in the end, you know, that stuff is, as we've said many times, that's all Moore's Lodge. And what, why it's, that's really great, you know, that stuff gets, you know, improves, it gets twice as good and half the price every whatever number of years. And so, so they, they will have a, they will have a stake in Aurora hoping to, to make that happen. Yeah. So that's, that's really when you, when looks at it, uh, they then may be able to, instead of make being forced to make it themselves to have access to it, they're standing first in line with Aurora to have access to it. And access to that technology, probably at a, at a very attractive price. Again, the details that must be in that, that agreement uh, 
whether or not we get to see it or not, Clive are there. So instead of them, you know, going knocking on the doors of Aurora and said, hey, please, we'd like to get this. And Aurora said, well, you know, you've got to pay me um, basically the value that you're going to derive from it, as opposed to, you know, what it's cost us plus some profit. Those are two different prices. And all of a sudden they have a, they have a chance to, to get that technology at a very attractive price, a price that's, um, well, they must have decided is, is likely to be a heck of a lot less than them making it. One always has the maker, maker buy, you know, choice. And they must have looked at this and said, oh my goodness, you know, instead of us making it, we're gonna be able to buy it. Otherwise you don't make that transaction. And they learned some hard lessons trying to do it themselves too. For yeah, but, uh, you know, that so turned out tragically. It's but a now, easy thing. It is a non-easy thing, and that's what you know. Part of the things that we'll discuss during the during the the summit. You know, this is not easy. We'll be back with more, but first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website there, find the white paper. It's called the Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Great information there to help you make informed decisions. You may know ETFs can be a smart way to spread risk with investments, focus on a particular category of stocks too. The site again is MOTOETF.com. More headlines to cover, Alan. Cruise, which is affiliated with GM and Honda, says it is now testing fully driverless cars without a safety driver behind the wheel. That's a key phrase, behind the wheel, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I, I guess they're, they're, they're at least being truthful, okay? But all of a sudden, you know, you've got to say, oh, my goodness, I can't all of a sudden take what I hear and and uh, and imagine what I'd hoped. OK, which was what someone hoped is there's no human, no attendant in the car, in the vehicle. Yet, if you read a little farther down, it says explicitly there's an attendant in the vehicle, you know, with you not know, behind the wheel and all that stuff. So who cares if they're behind the wheel or not behind the wheel? That, you know, whatever. Okay, they're sitting there with a joystick or something. But that's not driverless. That, if the objective of driverless is to do affordable mobility, okay, then you can incur the cost of the driver. Okay, or you have to make the driver a slave and pay him not nothing. But we're, we're not we're not we're not saying we're, we aren't saying they shouldn't be testing it this way though we're not saying that at all. Oh, absolutely testing! Of course you test this way. You have somebody in there. Of course you do. Absolutely. Why? I mean, if they're not doing it, they're not doing anything. They're not doing anything. Great. That's just like being driverless. Okay, but at least you're in there. To, something should happen because you're not good enough. But if you're doing it, 
which means you know the scale is how many how many cars they have whatever the number is they have there for this to be a viable business you have to go a thousand x ten thousand x a million x okay maybe not quite a million x hundred thousand x okay whatever okay you got to do that and therefore you can't afford to have the attendant in there except for rich people we really want to do this for rich people they got so darn many ways they'll go in their bentley's i mean what the hell cut it out or maybe they'll take that they'll, they'll take the air taxi down <laughs> oh, take the air taxi. great go for it wonderful okay i don't anyway so one has to be careful what one's trying to do here it's right? a step and, is what this is to, 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 to be to really do something different to be disruptive i think you have to be affordable that's the disruptive because we've had chauffeured mobility probably since Benz in 1886. If not, you know, Downton Abbey in 1920. You know, one always could have a chauffeur and da 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 and be to the two. Okay? If you had enough money. But I don't... I, and if that's the market you're looking for, fine. Do it. But that's not... That's not that's not what I think is makes this dis, a disruptive technology that really improves quality of life to, to not the one percenters, to, you know, the lower 60%, the lower 30%, the lower 50%, lower 50%, you know, is what, I guess, you know, 165 million people in the United States, I guess. Maybe it's, you know, like Princeton, you know, all the students are 80% above average. <laughs> Stupid Never mind, you don't want to go there. From the Federal Register, Alan, uh, NHTSA is requesting comment on the development of a framework for automated driving systems safety. The framework would objectively define, assess, and manage the safety of ADS performance while ensuring the needed flexibility to enable further innovation. And you've got some comments in the news. Yeah, I, I, I think if there's anything that, that, uh, that the audience reads, they should spend, spend quality time reading the 18 pages of that, of that posting in the Federal Register because it really describes the, in detail the, the challenge that that, that NHTSA or whatever it is, the, uh, the public oversight entity to this technology is, is going to need to do to, to provide, to in one sense, protect the public on the safety piece. And on another sense, promote this technology uh, for all the valuable uh, contributions that this technology has the opportunity to deliver to society. I mean, the reason this is being done is, is really to, at least I argue, and that's why I'm involved in it, is, is I really believe this technology has the opportunity to substantially improve the quality of life of many. 
And that's, you know, that's a good thing to do. But of course, you can't just do it like a loose cannon on a deck or whatever. You've got to be responsible on the one end, and the responsibility is on, is on the safety piece. So in a sense, you know, this, this lays it out very well. It even suggests that maybe NHTSA is not the right entity to do this, and a separate entity is needed to do this. It really leaves, leaves it quite open, as opposed to saying, hey, this is how we want to regulate. They're really, uh, to me, they're really asking for, con uh, they, 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 there are a lot of things they don't know, and they'd like to get answers to the things they don't know. I think what is missing from this, although probably assumed, is a better definition of an operational design domain. Because all this has to do with, you know, where are you going to do this? And if the objective is with all this stuff to do it everywhere, then I don't think we have a chance. I mean, you know, then it's, you know, Sunday supplement, political, whatever, you know. No, but how do you, you know, how do you find the places where you can actually do it? So we, we know we can do automation in, in shafts and buildings. That's the elevator. We know we can do automation if we just put rails and make sure it's in the tunnel and protected and so on. Those are people movers at airports. Uh, you know, we did it at Morgantown in 1975, we automated system safety record event is absolutely phenomenal beautiful but you know it's 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 not having it's not out there in the public roadway with children playing ball okay and and i think the challenge here is is how do you how do you do this you know in public roadways where most of the people want to like use to travel and there happen to be children playing ball and you've got to do that. And so how do you do that? And, and also there, there's, there's not, there doesn't seem to be the realization, or maybe that's just my interpretation as I read it, the, the real realization that the safety issue with respect to uh, highway transportation today is really, it's, it's a behavioral problem of the driver. It's not the drivers aren't good drivers. Everybody is an outstanding driver. Essentially, everybody is an outstanding driver when they're paying attention, when they're not misbehaving, okay? And the problem comes, the, the, the safety problem is one of misbehavior. It's the behavioral element of the driver in the transportation that is leading to the safety problem. So in some sense, I, I think one can argue if one wants to deal with safety of an automated system, just make them as good, if you can, as a, as a driver is when they're not misbehaving. And don't let them misbehave. I mean, that takes away 90, if, if 90 some percent of blah, 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 blah whatever it tends to be quoted is caused by by human, they call it human error. It's human misbehavior. It's people texting, misbehavior, okay? It's people speeding, misbehavior, okay? It's people having adult beverages, 
It's misbehavior. It's people falling asleep. It's misbehavior. It's people with road rage. It's misbehavior. These automated systems aren't gonna have a road rage. They aren't gonna drink alcoholic beverages. Uh, they might have a blue screen every once in a while, so we gotta deal with it. So they may fall asleep or something, but, but okay, we gotta deal with that one, all right? They aren't gonna run red, red lights unless I, I stop, there's nobody coming, okay? They aren't gonna speed or speed excessively such then and whatever. And that's not brought out well enough in this, okay? So now the question is, is how do you put these things in a vehicle that somebody is you're not going to ask them to buy it? I don't think we're just going to ask them to ride in it. Okay. Cause we know they won't buy it. The first thing, if they buy first thing they're going to do is they're going to clip all the wires that keep them, that allow them, allow them this, the now speed. They'll allow them to drink and drive. That will allow them to fall asleep. That will allow them da, 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 da. So, hey, you know, you can't sell it to an individual. It won't buy it, I don't think. I mean, you know, I don't know. I would imagine that all the OEMs would have gone out there and sold these cars to us if any of us would have gone out and bought them. But they, I mean, the madmen, what they do, you know, they're madmen were out there drinking, you know, Three, three drinks at lunchtime and then driving. And they were, you know, speeding here and speeding there and doing donuts on their neighbor's lawns and do, 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 da, da, da. Putting them in the advertising. I mean, how many car ads do you, do you see on TV in which, you know, fine print, the Mercedes ad, all these cars going plowing through some, some desert with all kinds of whatever flying around or deep snow, you know, um, Santa's reindeers. Come on. Building that fantasy. Oh, I can do that too. <laughs> anyway, so I think, and, and in fact, you know, Nitsa may have a model for this to do it. Because if you look at the electronic stability control that they basically nurture the whole process that they're talking about here and in fact made it mandatory on all models after 2012 or whatever the, the date is if you look at what 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 that system does is it's an automated system in the vehicle that lets me misbehave and as soon as i get myself to a point where that misbehavior can cause me problems, it kicks in and says, forget it. I'm taking over the braking and the steering to keep you from losing your rear end and going off the road. I'm not gonna ask you, I'm just gonna do it. That's what the, that's what the stability control systems do, okay? I start going around that corner too fast. In the environmental conditions that exist now, the sensors figure it out. You're going too fast. If it wasn't raining, you'd be okay. We wouldn't do anything. But it's raining, therefore we're cutting in. We're not going to let you do it. And then you start adding in things like the lane keeping, the braking, et cetera. 
I think, okay, I think it's worth looking at that model of that one and expanding it not to all the other misbehaviors, okay? And I, I think the history and the data and the reporting and so on, I'm sure people will bring it out and say, hey, you know, it really, it has worked, okay? And, it, it, and, and, and this system says, doesn't say, hey, I can't hit the gas. Sure, go ahead and hit the gas. But if you start losing it, guess what? I'm, con I'm controlling, not I'm, I mean, the computer is gonna control the, the gas. The computer is gonna control the brake. The computer is gonna redistribute the torque, redistribute the brake to keep me from losing my butt. Beautiful, okay? Now, as a concept, I don't see that really being brought out as a, as a measure there, but maybe, you know? Another story. Bloomberg is reporting that Apple is putting the head of Siri and artificial intelligence in charge of its secretive self-driving car project. I thought they got rid of that. The so-called Project Titan. Uh, this report says the executive, John Giandrea, I think that's how it's pronounced, reports directly to CEO Tim Cook. So Apple is still baking something up here. I don't know. I, I guess. I, I, I guess. I don't know. They, they don't need to tell anybody, I guess, right? Until they have something that they're trying to sell. Okay. Now, whether or not they're out there far enough and the thing it works well enough that they're trying to sell it, who knows? Um, I, they must be doing it underground or something if they're doing well, it. You know, I guess they're doing <laughs> Nobody's it. Nobody's seeing anything. Well, you can, they, they, of course they could. They, you know, they have that big spaceship. What are they doing in the spaceship? Maybe it's in the center of the spaceship. They're, maybe they're running it around the spaceship or something. I don't know. I guess they're, who knows? Yeah, but employees but, and ex-employees would have seen it. So yeah, this right. is pretty, they're, they're pretty good at keeping secrets. Yeah, they, they are and wonderful. And, and, you know, as soon as they're far enough along that somebody might use it, to deliver some societal benefits. I'm sure we'll hear about it, okay? And until then, great, have a ball, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, On the subject of spaceships, Elon Musk had another successful launch this week of the SpaceX Starship, even though there was kind of a, an explosive crash landing at the end. Uh, well, I, I don't. I've been watching launches since Vanguard in, I don't know, 1958 or something like that. They, they actually had them on TV. I've watched them. You know. well, I built the plastic model. <laughs> I, I, the Starship was the best launch. I, I, was, I, had the, I, I had the good fortune of being live at the, Cape Canaveral for the launch of, um, of Apollo 11. And that was a great one. Um, but then I've watched a lot of them on TV, uh, but this one was, it was really phenomenal. It was phenomenal. I mean, you know, the, in, in, in the early stages of the development of the Starship, really for them to be able to 
not only launch that thing, I mean, they had a couple of, uh, of scrubs and they had to move along and launch, what, three days later, something like that. So what, launch, um, uh, shut down one of the engines and continue to be able to throttle those, the other two. So they continued to go straight up and then you know, shut down another one and continue continue up with one of them. Again, you know, you, you got to give keep that thrust vector through the center of mass and do all that. And then to bring that thing down, flip it, fly it. And just before it came to the ground, turn it, ignite it. I don't, I, I, I haven't seen what, what, what the impact velocity was, but I don't know. I would suspect it was probably less than 25 miles an hour or something like that. And, and it looked to me, I, again, I haven't had a chance to follow up and see what, and, and read any of the postmortems. It looked like the launch pad, it, 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 it hit the, the corner of the launch of, the, of the where it was trying to sit down and therefore may have just, you know, on that corner just you know, collapsed and led to the explosion or I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it, but it, it, just, it just missed by this, it looked like to me. To be able to do all that, oh, I mean that's well, he's, been, he's been doing it over and over. This was just a bigger scale, right? I mean, you know, to actually be able to pull it off and do it, the number of things that have to work well. I mean, really work well. All the all the various thrusters on 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 the on the on Starship to be able to turn it. You actually have modeled the aerodynamics properly so that, in fact, you can flip it and even get it to, you know, really come down on its tail just before it hits. Whatever. I mean, you you really have to do a darn good job, okay? I don't know. You do that for a homework exercise. I, I'm, I'm, I'll give you a 99, you know? You won't get a 100, you know? <sighs> Might even convince me to give you an A plus. I mean, I was, I was, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm distant from all that stuff. Used to be close to it many years ago, you know, in some previous life. But um, they get that thing to work, which is very close to it. They can refuel it in low, low Earth orbit. They can fuel it up. They can launch that to Mars. Whether or not they can get enough of them to Mars, so that at Mars you can then get enough water out of the out of the, the ground and 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 actually uh, uh, prepare some methane and and so on, so that you can manufacture some fuel to get the heck back. We'll wait and see. But man, this is I just thought, wow. He says, <laughs> he, he says he's going. He says he's going, and I, I think I commented a number of years ago when he when he announced, when I first learned of of the, his approach when he gave his talk at the, in Australia at the International Astronomical uh, um, Conference. Um, you know, um, seemed to me that the, the approach the approach one the reusability of the launch vehicles key again. Try to make it affordable. I mean, can you imagine what we did in the Apollo program? We took that giant thing, 
all the, I mean, the, the F1 engines, I mean, guess what, you use them once. Then you have to make new ones. Whoa. And then you had to lift all this stuff at one time into low Earth orbit before you, you then could do the transfer to the moon. You know, as opposed to lifting it up, put it in, putting it in low Earth orbit, and then all the fuel that you need to get to the to do the home and transfer to to, to Mars. I mean, you can you can fill her up, you know, pick them up, pick them up, pick them up. Now you're launching from low Earth orbit. Oh, whatever aerodynamic into into uh, into Mars. Set it down. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Exciting times. I think so. I, yeah, it really is. I mean, I you know, I I watch their 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 um, um, launches of uh, uh, of the of the Starlink satellites. You know, and they're putting up what's he put up over a thousand satellites to do to do basically um, uh, Wi-Fi. Yeah, global internet service. Right? You know, wireless communications around the world from anywhere, you know. You know, the whole LEO, the low Earth orbit concept of doing communications. I mean, get up, bump, 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 down. I mean, it's actually a shorter way than putting it on a cable and under the oceans and over the whatever. <laughs> well, we've got one more story. Finally, yeah. uh, Arizona State University student Joel Johnson has reportedly taken over 60 driverless Waymo rides and posted more than a dozen videos online. I've sent him an email hoping he's going to join us for a chat. I don't know if we got the right email, but we're trying. Interesting yeah, we, kid. We wanna, really want to get him on there. I mean, I, I, think, I think if he's taken that many rides as a, as a member of the public, um, uh, I'd like to hear, you know, what he has to say. And so that's why we want to bring him on here. Uh, at the same time, uh, I guess one of his, uh, not a classmate, um, uh, one of my students, uh, um, uh, Lewis Aaron, who is also from Phoenix, um, uh, is, now, um, is now an intern at, uh, he's taken a year off because of COVID from, from Princeton. He's, he's at the Boring Company and, uh, and apparently he's going to take us this, test this coming week to be a driver of, uh, of one of the Teslas in that tunnel. And hopefully we can, we can have them both on and we can, you know, we can hear what the, what the younger generation has to say about all this from, from again, the mobility point of view. And what does it deliver on the mobility? We've been dealing with the, with the technology and with the, the details of that technology, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. but, but what about the, the end product? What about the mobile, which is really why we're doing, we're not doing this. I hope we're not doing this to develop gizmos. We're doing this to, to, to actually deliver value to society and large, maybe this little smaller end of it at Las Vegas. And so, how are we doing with respect to that part of it? 
And that's, that's also one of the topics that, that we, we will spend one of the weeks on the summit on is, is, um, is the design of these vehicles for mobility of, of all. So I guess we sort of know what, what we want. We know, you know, we want Corinthian leather and you know, <laughs> Apple play and who knows what, whatever, I don't know. And, and we sort of know what, what, the, what the physically challenged part of society wants because they've, they've told us a number of times and I don't know we've necessarily paid attention. Uh, we sort of know what the, what the elderly want. Again, if we've paid proper attention, uh, we, we sort of know what the blind want, but we have to listen and pay sort of attention. I don't think we've listened to what the poor want. And, and I hope somehow we can we can focus. I mean, you know, we, it seems to me that we just assume they'll take whatever we give them. That's ugly. That you know, this to me, this is this is the opportunity for the folks that haven't had opportunity to have good mobility or what this mobility is for. And we really need to embrace them and, and ask them, what would you like? Do you really want car play? Do you really want Apple Babadudadadi? You know, Corinthian leather, really? I don't know. I don't think the madmen ever asked them. I guess they can say, hey, that's not what they were being paid to do. But my goodness, this one's different. So somehow we've got to, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to do that. Okay. I wish I did, but I, I, I don't. Well, again, it's going to be one of the focuses of the yeah. upcoming Smart Driving Car Summit, which a reminder again gets underway this Thursday at noon live go to smartdrivingcar.com for more info so thank you so much to our sponsor the smart etfs smart transportation and technology etf the ticker symbol for the etf is moto and more information is available at motoetf.com you can find us at smartdrivingcar.com also on anchor fm spotify tune in apple google spreaker soundcloud wherever you get your podcasts your smart speaker can play us too. And you can find my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching, and please stay safe. Thank you, everybody. See you soon. Huh? We'll see you live. <laughs>